I'm Charlie Albone and welcome to episode five of season two of That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. Healthy soil is vital for developing happy and thriving plants. Supporting this through sustainable gardening practices will encourage biodiversity through all levels of your garden, from the roots to the tips of your leaves. Now imagine taking on a big piece of land that's been cleared of its natural rainforest, is showing signs of significant erosion and looks bare. Then consider trying to make a living from this land. No doubt if you continue on this trajectory, the soil will have very little nutrients to support your efforts. Today's guests are Martin and Will Brook. They did just that, taking on Brook Farm in the 1980s in Byron Bay. Buying an old dairy farm, they went about converting it into an incredible example of working with nature to support a healthy environment whilst growing delicious macadamia nuts. What you see on the farm today is vastly different to what they started with. It's going to be a great chat with Martin and Will about how they rehabilitated the land, planting countless macadamia trees, supporting the rainforest and natural wildlife, and building an amazing business through all of this. It's time we get cracking with Martin and Will. Martin and Will Brook from Brook Farm, welcome to That's How We Grow. How are you guys? Really well. Yeah, really well, Charlie. So how on earth do you start uh, macadamia farming? Tell me your story. In 1988, we, um, us and another family, the Bradleys, decided that it was um, time for a, a sea change. And uh, we actually decided that Byron Bay, and remember this was quite early on, it's not the Byron Bay of today, Mm-hmm. that Byron Bay was the place we would all would, would take our young families and settle. I used to be in the film and TV business and a friend of ours was, I think he was producing, um, what was it, Mission Impossible 2 up on the Gold Coast. And he was sent off, you know, to, to look for land. And um, he actually, you know, uh, went away for a weekend, found this block of land on top of a hill overlooking Byron Bay and uh, then the auction happened and no one turned up to the auction. So we, um, we were the proud owners of 98 acres, uh, 36 hectares of land uh, in a very sad um, rundown state. And then we got a weeds notice from the council. So we decided we had to do something about, you know, the land, mm-hmm. we cleared it, we planted uh, four and a half thousand macadamia trees, but we also planted 36,000 native trees, mostly subtropical rainforest. If you say it in one sentence, it sounds nice and easy that we planted macadamia trees and regenerated rainforest. But I think one of the things that mom and dad are really good at was asking for advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing, you know, if I'm in film and TV and in dentistry, that growing things isn't my strong suit as yet talking to to local farmers about what's this what crop should we put in i remember or they've they've talked about you know was it going to be farm stays or pecans or cattle or and well we're looking at coffee as well coffee yeah yeah Yeah. and it's the the macadamia was really popular as the hawaiian nut back then but not the native Australian rainforest tree that it, that it really is. And I think that's something that really that caught their eye. And when, when they say, you know, we planted 36,000, I think almost up to 45,000 rainforest trees now and those macadamias, that was our life at, as, uh, or my youth, was every school holidays, we were in Melbourne at the time, was yeah. travelling up to the macadamia farm, planting trees, picking up rocks, back down, film and TV, dentistry, back up, 
farming back down and then we'd have a farm manager mm, in between yeah. as well. There's there's some awesome before and after photos on the I, website. I've so. seen I've seen the pictures on your website. So the way you nonchalantly say, oh, we, we planted we some just, trees and, and, and a bit of a rainforest <laughs> no. is ridiculous. Like when you first bought the property, there was nothing there. It was really degraded, wasn't it? It was incredibly degraded. It was eroded. It was full of um, a weed tree, camphor laurel, mm. uh, lantana, rocks, and lots and lots of boulders. How do you replant a rainforest? I mean, obviously, you've got to get rid of the weeds. Do you improve the soil? Where do you get the plants from? Are they small seedlings that you plant? Like, what, what's the process? Well, well, in, in those days, there were very few nurseries. I mean, today, it's a, it's, it's a different sort of deal. But mm-hmm. we, again, through this amazing uh, uh, gentleman we met, we were put on to a very, very good subtropical rainforest nursery. So what you've got to do basically is that you've got to get rid of the weeds to begin with. Um, You you then uh, purchase trees that are pretty small. Obviously, you've got to dig the holes. You you then uh, use a bit of fertiliser, but the important thing is to cover them with straw and if you can, if you can as well, with wood chip because the wood chip will, will actually break down and help the growth of those trees. Mm-hmm. And then in the old days, and now it's changed completely, you had this concept of planting the fastest growing pioneer tree in the middle, then a middle story tree as the second circle, and the third circle would be the, 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 the trees that took longer to grow. Now, of course, all of that's gone out the window. You can plant anything anywhere. Mm. Apart from in those wet areas where you have specific trees that like, you know, wet soils. It seems like such a crazy, impossible thing to do. The before and afters are so drastic. Was there ever a moment when you were, were doing the work and you thought, oh, this is all too much? Or did you have the vision for it? There's an aspect of it which is momentum. I mean, on a, the, the two projects, the macadamia and the rainforest, mm. and then eventually the uh, Brook Farm, the business side, almost happened quite naturally. So the macadamias and the rainforest were almost done as two completely separate projects. And there's like a particular passion for the macadamia and a passion for this rainforest regeneration and regenerating the big scrub because it, it seemed like the right thing to do with that piece of land. Um, and there was a lot of work involved. But what we saw is the significant impact, positive impact that regenerating the rainforest had on the macadamia farm was quite stunning and has really created the bedrock for everything that we do as a family now. Like we used to do all the standard macadamia farming things and that's why I said it was almost two separate. We bait for rats, we do all the normal spraying. This is back early 90s. Once the rainforest was at a mature stage, we got this advice saying, well, you know what, you've probably got a significant amount of bird life going on here. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, instead of baiting for these rats, just just take the baits out and see what happens. And our rat damage went from like high, almost 10% down to extremely low single digits because we weren't inadvertently killing off the natural pest managers, your your barn owls, your, your owls in general, bird life, uh, snakes, all of, all of that type of yeah. stuff. And so the amount of inputs that are going into the farm in terms of poisons go down. We also had uh, increased pollination because we bring all this other 
uh, flora to the area and just creating an environment that the macadamia is supposed that's a the macadamia is a rainforest tree that's yeah. where it's supposed to be and so those concepts we then take into the um and i'm skipping ahead a little bit but taking into the the muesli granola side of things it's like it's not we don't do things just to be green or whatever we do things because they just make sense mm-hmm. being more sustainable has a better impact on our bottom line which is the way that things should That's be. the way it should be, and, and I mean that that is an amazing thing to happen. Uh, it, it's incredible that it it not only is better for the environment, but it's better for the bottom line as well. It's like the perfect situation, isn't it? Yeah, and you get yeah. better quality, better quality products. Yeah, to all yeah, every everything in between. So, when you started growing the macadamias, how was setting that project up different to the rainforest? Was there more soil preparation? Was there oh yeah larger trees? So, how, how did that a, work? A lot more soil preparation. Um, you know, the, the planting of the trees, uh, four by eight, uh, important where you actually planted them in terms of north-south direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the early days, we really we really didn't have, as Will says, you know, there, there was a traditional way of farming. And, and I think about it now and I, it, I cringe when uh, the concept of sort of calendar spraying would happen, we, you know, regardless of what nasty bugs were out there, yeah. you know, you sprayed regard, you know. Oh, we've we all done things that make us, make us cringe, don't worry. <laughs> and, you know, we, we were one of the very first, and uh, I was overjoyed, the brilliant um, scientist up in Queensland, uh, we had a huge problem with a horrible bug called an uppora. And he came up with this solution whereby we would put out, and every year we do it, about 60,000 trichogram of wasp eggs. Mm. The eggs become into this wasp. The nut borer comes along, lays an egg on the, on the nut. Within 30 seconds, the trichogram of wasp will come and inject the egg, kill it. We have no nut borer problem. That's amazing. So, we, so where do you where do you get them from? Well, we get them from a guy who breeds them up for us in yeah. Queensland. And they come in the post. They come in the post. Freaks <laughs> out the postman instead of <laughs> box of wasps. Yeah, yeah. He was hor- horrified the first time. The postmaster general of uh, yeah. Bangalore, and he said, "What do you got there, Brookie?" I said, "I've got fifty thousand tricky grammar wasps. I don't think you should be putting that through the post." Anyway, <laughs> they take about three years before they hatch out. So, right. so we're doing the same with spawning bug, which is also a, um, a, a real issue, and we're using anastate, which is spread up in Chinese silkworms. So all the time, we're we're endeavouring to work with nature, not against it. We've, we've also just put 20 different boxes all around the place in our forest, but also around the macadamias in terms of uh, attracting micro bats, uh, different size sort of birds, owls, uh, sugar gliders. All these things are incredibly important in terms of pollination and, and issues, but also, you know, bringing the bird life back and giving them a proper home. Yeah, so, so how is the macadamia pollinated? Uh, the macadamia is pollinated, well, we all thought it was to do with, you know, it was all to do with sugar bees, you know, mm. but, um, not sugar bees, sorry, the honeybees. Yeah, yeah. but, but in fact, what we're finding is that insects play a very important role as mm-hmm. well as bees. And we're, we're now quite big into the native bees, 
the Cabanari bees. So are they got, the stingless ones? The yeah, tiny, tiny the ones. Yeah, yeah. cute little guys. Yeah, they very are. Cute. Very cute. Very small. <laughs> and they make the most beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it's called sugar bags honey. It's uh, it's incredibly good for you, but tastes delicious. Wow. What's a normal week or a normal day look like on the farm as far as, I mean, is there set things you have to do as far as soil improving, pest management, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's very cyclic. I mean, we, as, as you probably um, know, uh, have had the most challenging two years. And um, anyone who says that uh, man-made, Climate change is um, <laughs> is a bit for fast uh, wants to come and live where we do because mm. the impacts of rain and continuous rain uh, over quite a long period of time, you know, is certainly created some huge challenges, um, particularly in the macadamia industry, but not just the macadamias. I mean, not in the sugar industry, and you know, all crops are affected. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's in, in a sense climate change. Um, uh, we we've got to have a bit of a rethink. I think. Yeah. You guys are real. Um, you guys are real beacons for sustainability. How could the home gardener learn from from what you've done? Obviously, people can't plant a, a, a rainforest in their back garden. Um, you know, they might have one macadamia tree. What kind of tips can you give the home gardener? Well, the interesting thing is, you know, I'm very closely involved in basically saving what's left of this amazing rainforest that used to be. But, you know, there are so many uh, subtropical rainforest um, trees and plants that, that in fact, will work uh, in southern climes. And uh, you can, in fact, plant a beautiful garden uh, with native subtropical plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, but it's 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 basically kind of a you know a bit like our story in a way it, you know it's it's working out what 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 works and what doesn't but also having a real uh, really tuned in uh, to your environment and to your climate and you know trial and error a bit but uh, you know I think there are things that you know you can take. Uh, from 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 the big scale that we've done into a, into a garden. Yeah, I, I would just say part of that, from my point of view, looking back, is that some of that advice, particularly if you're looking at something like a subtropical, if you're in a subtropical area or it's somewhere that can that can that can have rainforests, then someone that knows a little bit about that uh, that type of flora is, yeah. is always. That would be my number one thing, and so seek some knowledge. Just seek a bit of knowledge, yeah. and and also a bit of patience, but not too much. Like you, you can come to the farm. Anyone can come to the farm. We've actually just as a other businesses, Cape Byron Distillery, and we do rainforest tours okay. through the farm, and you can see, like you can see the photos from from our website and what it is now. That's less than a generation mm. to do an eight complete turnaround yeah like a 100 percent turnaround from barren camphor laurel lantana privet covered land to a fully functioning now self-sustaining rainforest um so 
that that's quite heartening. It's like it's good to give people confidence, I guess, that it's Absolutely. not this. Absolutely. I mean, patience thing. is the biggest thing that kills a lot of gardeners, you know, but to oh, see the change yeah. that, that you guys have gone through in such a short period really uh, gives people hope, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's not impossible. I mean, there's plenty of times I know that we've we've made mistakes in our plantings and done them different ways and sure. put different varieties together. Like that, that happens. That's and gardening. Despite all of that, despite all of that, we have this fully, fully functioning, amazing rainforest. But I love my my favorite thing is bringing other people to the rainforest right. because you can you can feel something special there. Mm. There's something old, and ancient, and impactful about walking into a rainforest that you can see in people's faces. That um, so, yeah, that's that's the thing is it's just it's, it's patience and. So are you, are you guys keen gardeners or is the, is the farm enough and do you just head off to the rainforest when you want your, your sort of dose of greenery? Yeah, really. My, you know, I, I know when I was having a bad muesli there, I'd come, I'd finish, you know, I'd finish with the muesli and I'd find myself walking down into that rainforest, um, you know, to get my head back in order again. There, mm. There's something incredibly satisfying about that environment. But, you know, the other thing is, you know, with the story of, the, of, of a beautiful garden, uh, obviously with the right stuff in the ground, is that it's what it does in terms of bringing bird, birds into that, into that uh, environment. It is just amazing. But I, I wouldn't say we're great gardeners. They're, they're uh, much, much stronger honest. on a tree than they are on like a, <laughs> you, the strawberries, uh, flowers, things like that. They don't go so well in the Brook family home. Yep. No. Food no. trees, it's like we're very food motivated. So like yeah. we've had like bays, bays and avocados and lemons and oranges, those things, yep. they'll go well. They'll get the right love because, yeah. you know, that's closely related to the dinner table or the breakfast table. <laughs> yeah. And, you and know, so yeah, that, I think that's, that's right. what motivates us. <laughs> and, I, you know, I had a mother who used to work on the notion. I come from Devon originally and, it's you know, food is very important down there. Yes. And, uh, you know, she would say if it moves, feed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so how do you how do you tread lightly on the farm when you you obviously need large machinery to to farm the macadamias um, you know for your, all your pruning and stuff like that how how do you approach well, that? That's a very good question because again we're learning more and more about soil compaction and how especially when, with the rain yeah absolutely so so now there you know there there are, there are different breed of kind of machinery out there which are, which is you know for instance our harvester you know our, tra our harvester tractor is is really low impact and much much lighter you know you, you're not seeing these great big tractors anymore mm. on on farms where you might in a few but it's becoming less and less and we uh, you know we try and keep off the interrow as much as possible right so we let the grass grow, you know. Yeah. It doesn't look like bowling greens, but we don't want it to look like bowling greens. Uh -huh. yes, we, we know those fibrous roots, you know, the more you go up and down in heavy machinery, the more compacted it becomes. So we try and stay off it as much as we can. And you'll, you'll see that on our farm compared to some other, other macadamia farms where it's a pretty barren, you know, red dirt. Yes. Good, good, nice, good red dirt. You can see that dirt. It's not, it's, you're really lacking that 
that sun harvesting uh, concept with many other farms. So mm. I think even having that grass covering really assists us. I'm sure it helped us in the rain period because we didn't we had no erosion we had none of those issues that if we didn't have that concept um because grass of course you know that that's the idea you want to get the grass growing right up to the uh, to the base of the trees is that you know and, and our farm in areas is pretty steep and the amount of rain we actually get that grass will slow it down Mm. will really, really reduce the impact of erosion. Yeah, it helps to bind the soil together with the roots, Absolutely. doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, it's an old adage. They say it's it's oil in the soil and it, it it's so critically important to get that right. Yes. You mentioned that you mulched quite heavily as well. Did you find during the rains that that would, uh, if you've got steep ground, just wash away or do you just mulch where it's a bit flatter? Well, we you know, we did get, I mean, we had such huge amounts of rain uh, yeah, we we did, uh, you know, we did get a bit of erosion, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the, the the work that we've done in terms of um, organic chicken litter, uh, the compost, uh, you know, when branches uh, when we have prune or when branches fall off trees, high winds, we always always sort of chop them up and we put that back under the tree. And year after year after year, that is building up and building up and building up. And, uh, you know, when we have these dramatic weather events, it really does help. It really does help hold that soil. Yes. So when you're mulching up your uh, clippings and, and and bits and pieces like that, do you put them straight on the ground or do you age them so they don't suck uh, the nitrogen? We leave them for a bit. Yeah. We do leave them for a bit and yeah. we'll... Um, you know, we'll mix the we'll mix the the chip with other things as well. Is that how you got the the soil back? Because from what I understand, when when you first got the property, there was hardly any soil. So by mulching a lot, that kind of creates some some soil. Or did you have absolutely. to do absolutely? Yeah, so absolutely. that's how you did it. Yeah, wow. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to create that microbiological that that, that breakdown. I, I get so excited when I see fungi around the place. You know. Yeah, and uh, it's not just in the rainforest now, and that's a sign that uh, your rainforest is really beginning to advance, but also out in the field. Yeah. So I guess uh, one last question is: Is the recipe for the muesli a, a secret, or <laughs> is it out there, or does it just come down to good quality ingredients? Well, yes, it is a secret. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we well, we're very we we control freaks is what i would say so we make and we're we're a little bit unique in our industry in that we uh we create all our own recipes and we're a family business we make everything ourselves we don't send it off to someone else to get contract packed Mm -hmm. and so we control our own quality and that's um and and then the same with the recipe side of things there that's our that's our special little piece it's yeah you know we make a part of the reason it's so delicious is it's, it's quite complex uh-huh. it's a lot of it's like 16 ingredients in most of our wow. products um so it, i would say it's it's challenging to copy and we like it that way and uh <laughs> mysterious i like it's it very very mysterious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it's not rocket it's not rocket science but we 
I don't know, you've got to put a lot of love into it to, to get what we get out in the end. Yeah. Well, you guys are proof that sustainable practices are the way forward. They are, you know, it's amazing what you guys are doing as far as uh, regeneration and the produce you're creating. And the fact that it is increasing your bottom line is just even better. It's just proof for so many other people to give it a go. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Thank Thank you very much. It is time for some community questions, and we've got plenty of questions to fire through today. So let's start with Ruby in Sydney. Hi, Charlie. I hope you can help me rescue my lawn. How can I fix my lawn that's turned into mostly weeds? Any help will be appreciated. Well, I can guarantee the only reason you've got weeds in your lawn is because it's too compacted. So you'll need to get an aerator and a scarifier onto it as soon as possible, and then fill in those holes with a coarse sand so they don't collapse on themselves. Try and get on top of the weeds, hand weed out as much as you can, but then give it a good fertilise and it should come good. Next up, we've got Lewis asking, I've recently moved into an apartment and I'd like to add some greenery to the place. I'm a novice gardener. What plants do you recommend and what ones can I start with? Well, if you're looking at indoor plants, you can't really go wrong with Zanzibar gem, devil's ivy and a philodendron. If you're looking at putting some plants on a balcony, it's most likely hot and dry, so maybe try some succulents. And the next question is a succulent question at that. Roxy in Sydney is asking, can I revive a dying succulent? Any tips to help these sick plants? Now, the one thing that's probably killing your succulents is poor drainage. So succulents can actually take quite a lot of water, but if it sits around their roots, they really don't like it and they show the effects. So just plant them into straight sand and keep the water up to them and they will be just fine. Up next, Ben is asking, hi Charlie, can you please settle a bet between my girlfriend and myself? I sing to my plants, encouraging them to grow faster. My girlfriend thinks I'm nuts for doing this. Does singing to your plants help them grow? I hope so. Well, Ben, I think you're nuts. No, to be honest, I don't do it to my plants, but there is research that shows if you play music or sing to your plants, they grow stronger. I don't know how they've tested this. I can't substantiate it, but apparently it works. I don't know. Go figure. Okay, so the final question for today is from Anthony. Hey Charlie, my lawn is struggling and I'm looking to reseed it. What is the best time of year to do this? Do you have a particular type of grass seed you recommend? Well, actually, I don't recommend reseeding your grass. You can only use cool climate grasses when you go to seed them. Warmer climate grasses really need to be done by stolons. I haven't had much success. The birds come in, they take the seed. It's very depressing. I think it's much better to roll out turf. It's done quickly and you can establish it quickly and have a better finish. It does cost a little more money. So if you're trying to save a dollar, maybe get something like Sir Walter, cut it into strips and plant that out. Keep on top of the weeds as they pop up and it should fill in in no time. Do you have a gardening question you'd like me to answer? Well, send an email to charlie at still.com.au and I'll try and answer them in two weeks on our next episode. The work Brook Farm has undertaken is incredible. Thanks again to Martin and Will for their time. It was so interesting talking to them, the way they work with nature and not against it. They're living proof that sustainable practices can work effectively, efficiently, and if you're worried about the bottom dollar, they can make more money for you as well. It's really interesting the way that they rehab the soil and they say it isn't impossible, you just need a little bit of patience and that will pay a dividend. Well, thanks for listening to That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. Need the tools to take on any garden challenge? Go to the Still website or head to your local Still dealer today. There are over 600 local Still dealers across Australia, and you can easily find your local dealer on the Still website. Follow Still on Instagram at still underscore au 
And you can follow me on Instagram as well, charlie underscore Albone. On our next episode, we've got my Better Homes and Gardens colleague, Joanna Griggs. I'd like to say she's a tough taskmaster on Better Homes and Gardens, but actually she's not. She really is a lovely person and a keen gardener herself. Joanna's going to be sharing her tips on how to get your family and friends involved in the garden because she's inspired so many herself. This episode will be out in two weeks' time. Don't forget to check out the Still blog with plenty of great gardening advice as well as my key seasonal tips and tricks. Be sure to go to blog.still.com.au. I'm Charlie Albone. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.